What is the meaning of a mask? And what does it mean that Moshe put on the mask, he took off the mask? How does it apply to our daily life today? As we are wearing masks or taking off our masks because of COVID? And how does this relate to the holiday of Purim? Today is Shushan Purim Katan, the small Purim. Purim is a time that children and even adults dress up with masks. Let us understand the concept of masks on five levels. Pshat, Remez, Drur, Soy, This week's Torah portion, we find that Moshe Rabbeinu came down from the mountain for the third time. Moses went onto Mount Sinai three times for 40 days. The first time to receive the first tablets and to learn the entire Torah. When he came down, there was a golden calf. He broke and shattered the tablets. He went up for another 40 days so that he would pray on behalf of the Jewish people, that God spared the Jewish people and not, God forbid, annihilate them. Then Moshe went a third time. The third time was for tshuva, for repentance, and that God forgive the Jewish people, once again, to make them his nation, and to give Moses the second tablets. Moses comes down with the second tablets on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is like Yom Kippurim. Yom Kippur is only like Purim. Purim is even greater. And on this day, when he comes down the second time, or the third time, with the second tablets, his face is radiant. Koran, the face of Moshe, is like a ray of light. Other secular artists misunderstood this verse to mean that Moses had horns. The word Koran does not mean a horn, rather it means a ray of light. When did Moshe Rabbeinu put on the mask? When did he take off the mask? According to Rashi, when Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to the people of Israel, he taught them Torah, he took off the mask. When he spoke to God in the Holy Temple, he took off the mask. So when did he wear the mask? He wore the mask when he was doing other things, material mundane things, like walking in the street, buying groceries, eating lunch. Those times, Moshe Rabbeinu put on the mask. But when he communicated Torah, when he taught Torah, and when he spoke and communicated with God, which was the majority of the day, Moshe Rabbeinu did not wear the mask. So this is the pshat. And it's interesting to note that Rashi tells us the actual process of how Moshe Rabbeinu taught. It says he first called an Aaron and taught Aaron the Torah. That chapter, that law, that teaching. Then Aaron went to his left side. 
He then called in Aaron's two sons, Elazar and Isamar. He then repeated it a second time. And then they went to the right and to the left. He then called in the 70 elders. He taught it a third time. And then they went to the right and the left. Then he called in the Israelites, the Bnei Yisrael. And he taught it a fourth time. So Aaron heard it four times. His children heard it three times. The elders heard it two times. And then the Bnei Yisrael heard it one time. Then Moshe left. Aaron now taught it to Israel. He left. His two sons taught it to Israel. They left. Then the 70 elders taught it a third time. Which means now they heard it four times. One from Moshe, one from Aaron, one from his children, and now from the 70 elders. Then they would break up into different groups. And they would study Torah and repeat and review what they heard from the different rabbis. And the 70 elders would walk around like monitors and listening in to their conversation. First of all, to make sure they weren't talking nonsense. Hey, you can't talk baseball and football now. Now you got to focus on the topic. Stick to the topic. Furthermore, if they saw that they were going astray and misunderstanding the teachings and having a misconception, they would make sure to say, no, that was not what Moses said. That was not what Aaron meant. This is not what I meant. No, that's wrong. This is the way we understand it. And this is the way they preserved the Torah for the next 40 years, and they taught the Torah. And at the end of 40 years, the entire Jewish people were proficient in all 613 commandments of the Torah. So this law is derived from here, that Moshe Rabbeinu took off his mask, and then he taught it to the Israelites he taught it to the children of Israel. This is pshat. This is a simple interpretation. What is remez? What is the hint? The hint is a time will come that a time will come that God will remove his mask. And no longer will there be a mask. What does that mean? Now, Golos exile is a mask. It's an abrogation of life. A reality. We don't belong here in Golos. Golos is like a dream. Those who are good and the bad, those who are kind and the poor, it's not logical, it's not normal. Golos is upside down, it's a mask. In a dream, the boss becomes the slave and the slave becomes the boss. Golos is like a dream, there's a mask on reality. Furthermore, the entire world is in a state of a mask. The world, the word for world in Hebrew is ha'olam, the world. The meaning of ha'olam, the world, is from the word helim. Helim means concealment and masked. God, in reality, creates the world every moment anew. Yet we look around, we don't see godliness. We don't see the letters, the 22 letters of the Hebrew olive base that actually recreates the moment or creates the world ex nihilo every second. We don't see it. Why? Because God is masked. But a time will come that no longer will your teacher, no longer will God be concealed. But the entire world will see that Hashem Elikeinu, God is our Lord, and Hashem Echad, God is one. This is the is the hint of the mask. What is the rush? What is the homiletics and the exegesis of the verse? We find over here, seemingly, 
a contradiction or a redundancy. In verse number 35, it says, It says, And the Israelites saw the face of Moses, and it had tremendous light, tremendous ray coming forth from it. Now, seemingly, this verse in 35 is extra. It is miyusar. It is redundant. Why is it? Because if you look in verse 30, already we said it. In verse 30, it says, Vayar Aaron, and Aaron saw, Vachobane Yisrael, and all the Israelites saw, Vihine Koran or Panav, the face of Moshe was shining. So they saw this light already. And the Torah made this statement. And it became very clear that Moshe Rabbeinu had this new transition within his face that a phenomenal godly light was shining forth. So why does the Torah have to repeat it again in verse number 35? <coughs> Furthermore, a sentence generally means a concept. And a paragraph means a few concepts. Now, it seems that the sentence or the pasuk is ending in the middle of the concept. In verse number 34, it says, When Moses came before God to speak with God, he took off the mask until he left, meaning even when he left, he left from talking to God, he walked straight to the Jewish people, and he gave over what he was commanded. Period. And now the people of Israel saw the light coming out of his face. Now, it should have been one long pasuk. He came to talk and give over the teachings of God to the Jewish people. And they saw the light in his face. Why does the Torah need to put this concept into a separate verse to tell us they saw the light of the face of Moshe? How do we understand this? And the answer is like this. The Drush, the homiletics. When Moshe Rabbeinu taught Torah, and the same is true when any teacher is teaching Torah, the state of mind of the disciples, the students, need to be, I am focusing on the teaching of my teacher. I have to be totally focused, totally attentive, and have complete concentration on the teaching of of my teacher. Not on the tie that he's wearing, not on a shirt that he's wearing, or a suit, or the glasses that he's wearing. My focus needs to be on the words to understand every detail. And therefore, when Moshe Rabbeinu was teaching the Jewish people, they were not able to gaze upon the radiant light coming forth from his face, even though it was beautiful. And even though they derived tremendous pleasure from this godly light, they were not allowed 
to gaze on the face of Moshe because they would lose concentration. Says the Torah that after Moshe Rabbeinu taught, and after they listened, and after they understood, in verse 35, says the Torah, V'rob b'nei Yisrael Moshe, then, after they heard the entire teaching, the children of Israel saw the face of Moshe, ki koran or p'nei Moshe, that the face and the skin of Moses' face was very radiant. Now, they were able to take it in. They were able to focus on the light and the radiance of Moshe. They were able to enjoy for a moment this light. And therefore the Torah says right after that, then Veheshiv Moshe, Moshe as a masve, then Moshe Rabbeinu put back the veil. But he gave the Jewish people a few more seconds to be able to gaze at this radiance, this godly radiance, to have pleasure from this holy light. Now this enters into a concept of halacha. We find in halacha the following. On one hand, it says, when you sit before your teacher, you have to be in a state of total humility, total subservience, to listen and grab and grasp every word of your teacher. So, on one hand, it's a state of focused concentration. On the other hand, it says that if you see the face of your teacher, then you are able to understand the teachings much more than seeing the back of your teacher. And the Gemara brings a proof from the words, that your eyes should see your teacher. So, is it listening or is it seeing? Furthermore, the Gemara says that there are three things that causes a person to lose their eyesight and lose their vision. One is who looks at the face of a Nasi, the face of a leader of Israel, of a king, of a Rebbe. Number two, one who looks at a rainbow. And three, one who steers at the Kohanim when they're giving the blessings to the people of Israel. So, can I look? Can I not look? Now, we also know that there's a bracha that you make when you see a rainbow. So, I could look at a rainbow. And I should look at the rainbow in order to make the bracha. So, what does it mean that you're not allowed to steer and gaze? Because if you do, you will lose your eyesight. And the answer is as follows. The reason that you're not allowed to stare at the Nasi, at the leader, at the king, at the Rebbe, at the holy tzaddik, is because the Shekhinah is in their face. The Shekhinah is very powerful. It's like, look, it's like looking at the sun. If you look at the sun, you're going to damage your eyes. The difference here is you don't realize how powerful it is. You don't see the light. It's infrared. But... The light is there. So when you stare at that light, it's going to affect your vision. That's true if you're looking at someone else. But if you're looking at yourself, you don't lose your vision. In other words, if the student 
is so subservient to the teacher that he becomes one with his teacher. He becomes one with his master. He becomes one with the Torah. Then he's not looking and gazing at someone else. He and his teacher are one. Then that gaze will not harm the individual. And that is why the Torah says it was after Moshe Rabbeinu taught them. He allowed them to look at him. Because now that they heard the teachings of the Moshe, and they were connected to the teachings of Moshe, and they were totally subservient to their master, now looking at their master would not affect their vision. It would not affect their eyesight. And the same is true if we're looking at the Keshes, if we're looking at the rainbow, in order to make the bracha, and realize that we're doing this to glorify God, and we make the bracha before we look at it, it will not affect us. If we simply look at it for pleasure, wow, look at those colors, it's so amazing, and we forget to glorify God, we forget the message behind the rainbow, why God brought a rainbow to the world, then that could affect your vision. This is the drush. This is the homiletics. What is the soid? What is the esoteric? The word masve, the word mask in the Torah, is spelled mem, samach, vav, hey. The Arizal says that the mem and the samach, which look very similar, the mem is like a square, the samach is like a circle, represent the concept of bina and tevuna, which means understanding and intuition. The Vav and the He are the two letters of God's name alluding to the emotions and speech and action, which means the lower qualities, the lower attributes, the more mundane attributes of the human body and the human individual. And therefore the Masva means that the Vav and the He, the emotions and the speech and the action are now elevated to a higher reality of mem and samach, which is understanding and intuition. We'll soon see what that means. Finally, what does Chassidus say? The question comes to mind, why did Moshe Rabbeinu acquire this new light after he went up for the third time? And what is the message of putting on the mask and taking off the mask? Moshe Rabbeinu went up the third time after the sin of the golden calf. In other words, the Jewish, the Jewish people sinned. God wanted to annihilate them. Now Moshe Rabbeinu brought the Jewish people to a state of tshuva of repentance. The Talmud says, and the Nambam also paskins, that when a Jew and a person does tshuva, the place of a Baal tshuva, a place of a returnee to Yiddishkeit, even a complete righteous tzaddik cannot stand there. So one who failed, one who went through hardships, one who went through abuse, one who went through difficulties and challenges in their life, and they failed, the first time, and the second time, and perhaps even the third time. But they struggled, and they overcame these challenges. They regretted the challenges, and they regretted the, the failings, and the shortcomings, and they worked on themselves to overcome, and become now better people. These people are stronger, 
and holier and more loved in the eyes of God than people that have a normal life, that things are easy for them. Moshe Rabbeinu brought the entire Jewish people to a new level. When they left Egypt, they were on the level of Sadiqim. Now, after sitting with the golden calf, they became Bali Tshuva. They became a nation of returnees to Yiddishkeit. Because of this level of Tshuva, because of this level of returning to God, Moshe Rabbeinu now reached a higher level. And this higher level was revealed through the fact that a radiant light came forth from his face. This is also associated with the fact that he is now bringing down the second tablets. The first tablets represent the revealed Torah. The second tablets represent the secrets of the Torah. Now Moshe Rabbeinu was introduced to Kabbalah and Chassidus, the essence of the Torah, the teachings of the future, the teachings of Mashiach. And because of this, his face now became radiant. This radiance has an impact to make the world holier and more godly and more elevated. So when he's teaching Torah, he keeps the mask off because it impacts the listeners. And those people who are learning Torah are elevated and they are a vessel to receive the Torah. They have now the right and they are, they are capable of internalizing this light. But when Moshe Rabbeinu went around in the streets, he went to the grocery store, he ate lunch, he even slept a few hours a night. He was involved with the mundane, then he kept the mask on. Why? The objective is the same, but the approach is different. <clears throat> the objective is to refine the world, to make the world a better place. But you need to be vessels. If the world is not a vessel, and there's too much light, you have shirat hakelim. You have the breaking and the shattering of the vessels. So when it came to mundane, everyday things, the physical mundane was not ready for this overwhelming, powerful radiance. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu had to put the mask on to make the light a little weaker. And this concept we call in Chassidus the idea of tzimtzum. To contract the light. To conceal the light. To hold back the light. To restrain the light. So it will not be overwhelming for the receiver. However, when we, the Jewish people, and when the entire world works together to refine the mundane, to refine the everyday life, then the entire world now becomes ready and deservant of receiving this infinite light. So, when do you take off the mask? When we are purified, when we are more refined, when we ourselves have elevated our mundane to the level of divine understanding, to Bina and Tevuna, to the Mem and the Samach of the mask, then we have a right to remove the mask. Then the world is ready to receive this infinite light. I'd like to make the following observation. The last talk that was edited by the Lubavitcher Rebbe in 1992 
was this talk on the Parsha of Kisisa pertaining the mask of Moshe Rabbeinu. That was the last talk that he edited. Now, I believe the Rebbe being a prophet and being a Chacham, as it says, Chacham Adaf Minavi, that a, a, an intellect is even greater than a prophet, that this was a last will and testament, a message to our generation. And that is the last frontier, the final test of our generation is removing the mask. In other words, we are coming down from the mountain. There's a new light that God is about to reveal to the world. The light of redemption, the light of Mashiach, the light of the essence of God, the Ein Sof. However, if the light and the radiance is too bright, the entire world will go up in flames. Because we need to be vessels to receive the light. And so, now, God sends a terrible pandemic to the world. We have to put masks on. A reminder that we need to refine ourselves. We need to transform the physical and make it spiritual. Yes, we have to eat, and we have to sleep, and we have to make money, and we have to work. But we have to raise the consciousness of why we are doing all these things. We're not simply doing it for narcissistic purposes because we are ravenous and we are tired and we need money. It's a higher reality. It's like a soldier. A soldier eats because he has to fight a battle. He goes to sleep because he needs energy tomorrow to run a few miles. It's not simply because he's tired or because he's hungry. And the same is true. We need to put ourselves now in Geula state. We need to put ourselves in this transition. That, need, that we are now ready to receive this new light of Moshe Rabbeinu coming down from the mountain. They asked once Rabbi J.B. Soloveitchik, after he came to celebrate the Rebbe's 70th birthday in 770, the Rebbe had a big fabrengen, he spoke for many hours. Rabbi Soloveitchik came down from YU to participate in the fabrengen. And after the fabrengen, they asked Rabbi Soloveitchik, tell me, what did you observe? Rabbi Soloveitchik said, what I observed by the fabrengen was the following. The first time I met the Rebbe in Berlin, it was like Moshe Rabbeinu coming down the mountain for the first time. When I met him in 770, many years later, it was like Moshe Rabbeinu coming down from the mountain the second time. The first time he came down like a Rosh Hashiva, one who had to teach Torah. The second time Moshe Rabbeinu came down from the mountain, he came down like a Rebbe. That was the difference. The first time I met him in Berlin, we learned Torah together, he was very brilliant, etc., etc., but now I saw him as a Rebbe. A Rebbe means one who transforms the entire generation, one who inspires other people and themselves to be more refined, to bring them to a level of tshuva. As the Alter Rebbe writes in Tanya and in Chassidus, tshuva is not only for a sinner. You can be perfect, but tshuva means to go outside of your comfort zone. Tshuva means to do today more than I did yesterday. And when we get into that mode, when we get into that state of mind, when we get into that zone, that today I'm going to be a better person than yesterday, then you can take off the masks. Then you're ready for the Geula. Then you're ready for the redemption. And this perhaps is also the connection with Shushan Purim Katan and the concept of Purim in general. Purim is really two days. The first day is Purim, 
and the second day is Shushan Purim. Now the big celebration is the first day. The second day, it's a smaller celebration. But truly, Kabbalistically, the second day is even greater. So the first day is when we dress up, we put on the mask. And we're celebrating, and we're doing all the mitzvahs, and we're learning about Torah, and we hear the Megillah reading, and we feast royally, and we're drinking, and we're saying l'chaim, and we're joyous, and we're proud, and we're happy. The day after Purim, you take off the mask. On Shushan Purim. In other words, on Purim, which is like Yom Kippurim, like Yom Kippur, we are Moses coming down from the mountain. We have this new light. And therefore we have to be careful where we project this light. Not every person is ready for that light. Not every person is ready for that revelation. Not every person is ready for the truth. Sometimes you have to soften it. You have to sweeten it. You got to put on the mask. That is Purim. But after celebrating Purim, and after going through this transformation, and after going through this refinement, the day after Purim, Shushan Purim, now we can take off the masks. Now the world, the mundane, is ready for this revelation. And that is why it's called Shushan Purim. That Shushan, which was a capital of the nations of the world, becomes part of Purim, becomes transformed, becomes healed, becomes refined, returns to Almighty God. So this is the final frontier. This is the final lecture, the final talk. This is the final message, the final war, the final test of our generation. Can we take off our masks? Yes, it's easy to throw out the mask into the garbage. It's very easy to say, I don't want to put on a mask. But are we ready for it spiritually? Are we truly ready to take off our masks? Are we really truly ready to reveal our essence, our godly essence, our true essence, the pintleyid, this godly spark. So we hope and pray that God will reveal all the secrets of the Torah and God will take off His masks and we will see an end to this terrible pandemic. We will see an end to Golos with the coming of Mashiach speedily in our days.